Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3. Our text this evening is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Hear God's word. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Certain that all of you uh, like to hear good news. And along those lines, I've heard many people say that they don't like watching the news. I don't like watching the news on television because it's almost all bad news. Uh, You know how it goes. Uh, Somebody got murdered. Somebody got killed in a traffic accident, someone's house burned down, uh, uh, yet another politician is involved in some scandal. It's depressing to watch the news. And on the other hand, it's refreshing to hear that rare bit of good news of someone lending a helping hand to a family in need, a parent is able to rescue a child from a burning building, a politician actually passes a law that makes sense. Um, I am certain that for most of you right now, there's something going on in your life where you are waiting to hear, hope to hear some good news. And uh, maybe someone's health is in question. Maybe you have financial questions that need to be resolved, questions that concern work, questions that concern the future. We all long to hear good news. And when it happens from time to time that you hear good news, isn't it such a relief? Maybe recently you or a loved one were at the doctor and now you are waiting in anticipation to hear the result of a lab test. As you await a phone call, you can hardly think of anything else. You wonder what you will do if the lab calls with bad news. But you can also imagine how you feel, how you will feel if the voice on the other end of the phone tells you that the tests all came back negative and everything is fine. If you've ever gotten a call like that, you know how in a mere moment you feel like a load is lifted. A smile comes on your face, you walk with a spring in your step. Good news can be a real boost. Well, what are you thinking about at this moment? What would you say today, right now, is the particular good news that you long to hear? This evening, uh, God's Word tells us about the good news that Paul longed to hear. He longed to hear that the Thessalonian believers were strong in their faith. That was the good news that he hoped to hear. And as these thoughts dominated his mind, this concern for the Thessalonians, he found himself praying for them. And what Paul considered to be good news tells us something of what his priorities were, something of what he considered to be important in life. By way of application, you need to ask yourself, what is the good news that you long to hear most of all? There's certainly nothing wrong with longing for good news that concerns things of our everyday lives. But the question is, what is the greatest good news that you could possibly hear? And does this news have to do with spiritual things? 
So often the good news that we long to hear has to do with material, earthly things, but the text this evening challenges us to long more for the spiritual well-being of others. And do this and you will find yourself praying more for others, which is certainly something that we all need to do more. As Paul writes his first letter to the Thessalonians, he's down in Corinth and out of concern for the church in Thessalonica, Paul had sent Timothy to find out how the believers there were doing. It's evident from verse 6 of the verses before us that Timothy has recently arrived there in Thessalonica with a report for Paul. He's there to report how the church in Thessalonica is doing. And up until the time Timothy arrived, Paul had been patiently waiting, eagerly hoping that he would hear good news. And until Timothy got back with the report, Paul had really no way of knowing how things were going there in Thessalonica. And actually some things had happened in the past, some things were going on in the present that would have made it reasonable to anticipate hearing some bad news. For one thing, Paul had left Thessalonica rather suddenly and unexpectedly. We don't really know how long Paul was there in Thessalonica, but it wasn't for long. And so Paul had not ministered there in Thessalonica long enough to really feel like it was time to move on. He was prematurely driven out of Thessalonica by threats against his life. And the result of that is that he left Thessalonica wondering if the converts there had been adequately grounded in their faith. And what added to Paul's concern was the fact that while apart, both he and the Thessalonians had suffered persecution for their faith. And persecution is always a challenge to our faith as Christians. If we're the ones being persecuted, it's a challenge to our faith. If, if we are watching other believers being persecuted, that also is a challenge. What were the Thessalonians tempted to think about Christ when they saw Paul and Silas, ministers of Christ, ministers of his gospel, having to run for their lives? The fact of the matter is that things did not get better for Paul even after he left Thessalonica. The persecution that had erupted there in Thessalonica was sadly not some rare, isolated incident, but at this point in Paul's ministry, it seems to be the norm. What were the Thessalonians to think when they themselves were attacked by enemies of the gospel? It would not at all be surprising that under these circumstances, the Thessalonians would question things like their faith, the, the power of Christ. Is he really sovereign? Is he really watching over us? Do we really want to be Christians if this is the cost? And maybe you've had similar questions. Like, if Christ is king, why does so much happen that seems to be against the church and his people. That seems to be against me, against you. If suffering and tribulation are to be expected in the Christian life, do I really want to continue to live as a Christian? These are searching questions. And Paul knew personally the harsh realities of life. He knew the reality of people losing interest in Christianity because of the struggles of uh, that, that challenged their faith. It's very easy for a person to be interested in the gospel of salvation, but it's not easy to actually live as a committed disciple of Christ day by day. But it is in daily life with all of the ups and downs where the rubber meets the road. And uh, scripture is clear there must be daily a taking up of the cross, 
a sacrificial following of Christ. That's what discipleship means. That's what it requires. Paul knew this, and so he was naturally concerned about his brothers and sisters in Thessalonica, those who had made a profession of faith. Was their faith real? Were they demonstrating a genuine faith by their love? Paul was concerned about some, uh, what kind of memories the Thessalonians had about Paul and Timothy and, and Silas as their ministers. It is evident from what Paul writes that there were people in Thessalonica who slandered him and his companions after they had left. These false teachers were trying to convince the Thessalonians that Paul was in ministry for himself. And so they were calling his motives into question, saying that his motives were impure, that his desires were selfish, that his purpose uh, there was to use the people for his benefit. And so with all of these concerns in the background, it's not difficult to imagine a certain amount of tension that Paul felt as he waited to hear from Timothy. As he waited to hear this report, how are the believers in Thessalonica doing? Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians within a short time after Timothy returned from Thessalonica, and thankfully he brought an encouraging report. And from what we read in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is very obviously relieved. Uh, Of the section of verses we are considering this evening, the main sentence would be there in verse 7, where it says, We have been comforted about you. We have been comforted. Or we have been encouraged, maybe your translation says. So Paul is saying, this has been good news. And the good news was good news on all three fronts of his concern. First, Paul had been concerned about their faith. Were they standing fast in the Lord? Were they still trusting Christ? Were they still believing the word of God? Were they still saying they wanted to be disciples of Christ? And the answer that came back was that they were persevering in their faith. Verse 6, it says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith. Verse 7, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Verse 8 also contains a reference to their faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Standing fast in the Lord is a description of faith. And the way our English translation reads... If you are standing fast, it seems to indicate that perhaps Paul is in doubt about their standing fast in the Lord, but actually the Greek tells us that the standing fast is what is taking place. And uh, here the NIV is a better translation when it reads, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. So the faith of the Thessalonians was Paul's main concern and so hearing that their faith was, was standing up to the test of time and standing up to the challenge of persecution, Paul is greatly encouraged. And second, he's encouraged, he's comforted by Timothy's report of their love. Verse 6 speaks of the good news of their faith and love. Back in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul made reference to the Thessalonians' labor of love. So these were people whose lives were marked by love, love for Christ, love for each other, presumably even love for their unbelieving neighbors, even those who they might have called their enemies. And you need to understand clearly why Paul was encouraged by their love. 
must never imagine that Paul had the idea that love is what makes a person a Christian. It's not what saves us. Paul regarded love as simply evidence of true faith. Because many people can claim to believe in Christ. They claim to be Christians. But as the saying goes, talk is cheap. People say many things for the sake of convenience. And love is one of the main indicators of whether or not a professing Christian has true living faith. For when the Spirit of Christ indwells you, you will begin to live out of the power of the Holy Spirit. His fruit will become evident in your life. And so while good works of love are not what save us, yet as James says, faith without works is dead. So true faith works. True faith shows itself in love. And so Paul was overjoyed to hear from Timothy that the people were living in a way that proved the Spirit of God was working in them. And so again, he was encouraged by yet another evidence of true faith, a faith that was manifesting love. And then third, Paul was encouraged by their remembering, the particular way they remembered him and his companions. Verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us. I remember us kindly. What is meant is that as they remembered Paul and his time with them, they considered those to be good times, pleasant times. They had fond memories of Paul and his ministry. That's proven by the fact that they desire to see Paul and his companions again. And this is encouraging to Paul because this meant that the believers there in Thessalonica had not been listening to the propaganda and the slander of enemies. It said a lot that they still considered the Apostle Paul and his companions to be their friends and fathers in the faith. This was an indicator that the Thessalonians still had a love for the gospel. So in some, Paul was encouraged because every indication was that the Thessalonians were on the right track spiritually. And uh, Paul expresses how he feels there in verse 8. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. And again, for now we live since, that's really the better sense there, since you are standing fast in the Lord. Paul says something along the same lines in another place when he says that for him to live is Christ. For Paul, what was exciting in life, what made life great was to see people turning to Christ and living faithfully for Christ. Paul was so wrapped up in the desire to see Christ Christ crucified, glorified through the work of ministry that he says he and his companions now live. That's the wording he uses here. They now live because of the good report of how these new converts are standing firm in Christ. Think for a moment about if the opposite had happened and Timothy had come back with a a sad report, a negative report. Paul is saying that a part of him would have died if he had learned that the professing believers there in Thessalonica had abandoned their faith. He would have been taken down a notch. He would have grieved a, a grief of death and loss. Now, thankfully, that didn't happen. The news was good, and for Paul, it was like a breath of life. Paul's heart was flooded with a lightness and a joy that made him feel revitalized. 
In verse 7, Paul refers to how he is going through his own time of affliction and distress. And so these, uh, uh, this, these reports, the, this news of the Thessalonians came at a time when encouragement was especially welcome. I'm sure that all of you have experienced how good news can lift your spirits. You may be there dragging along, discouraged, fearful, anxious, but upon hearing good news, you feel like a burst of energy goes through your mind and body. We're all familiar with how good it is to receive good news, but have you ever been as excited about spiritual things as Paul was? Are you concerned like he was for the spiritual well-being of people that you know? Relatives, friends, neighbors, do you long to hear that they are standing fast in the Lord? I'm afraid that this kind of good news is something for which we rarely long, or certainly we don't long for it enough. Is it not true that too often we're thinking about ourselves, we're thinking about Good news that has to do with our needs and our wants. And most of the time, these wishes and these desires we have are for earthly and material things. And I'd point out that verse 6 here, this is the only time in the New Testament when the word for gospel or good news refers to news other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet this good news did have to do with the good news of Jesus Christ. For it's not only good news... To hear that Jesus Christ has died and that there's hope for sinners through Christ's death on the cross, it's also good news when people actually believe in him and actually know him as Savior. And the passage this evening comes from the Lord as instruction about how we need to be thinking more often about others and specifically thinking about their spiritual state. Now, of course, just thinking about them is not going to do any good, but that is at least a start. Uh, what happens when you start concerning yourself with the spiritual well-being of others is that you start talking with them about the Lord. And what also happens is you pray for them. And we can see that Paul was a man of prayer. It's evident from verses 9 and 10 of our text that Paul was praying regularly for the believers there in Thessalonica. His concern for them had not turned into sinful worry and anxiety but rather his concern led him to action and prayer. The action was to send Timothy to check up on them. And Paul didn't expect the people to just magically remain strong in the faith. They needed someone to guide them. At the same time, having heard a good report, we see in verse 9 that Paul's response to the good news is to thank God in prayer because it is God who has preserved the believers there in Thessalonica. It's God who is to receive the praise and the glory. Paul doesn't take credit for the steadfastness of the faith of the Thessalonians. He doesn't give Timothy credit. Paul writes, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? The wording Paul uses tells us that he feels in debt to God. He has done such a wonderful thing that Paul says there's nothing in the world really that can be done to pay God back. There's no thanks big enough. And you see how precious these believers are to Paul, and he feels inadequate to express the joy, the depth of joy that he feels to hear this good report about them. It's a challenge, is it not, to how we think about others, our relationship to others. Do we have a love for people like Paul did? 
Paul's love is the same love all believers have who are in love with Christ crucified. The heart of this, we must understand, is that Paul loved his Savior. He knew what a dreadful sinner he had been, and he was in awe of the grace that reached out to him in love. And it was awe of this grace that then compelled him to reach out in love to others, to lead others to the very same grace. And it was the grace of Jesus dying for sinners that Paul had to preach because he knew that there is no hope apart from faith in Jesus. His great longing in life was that others might also experience the forgiveness of sins that God freely forg- that he freely gives to all who repent of their sins and rest upon Christ. Again, a challenge to you. Do you have the desire to help people, to glorify God through the gospel. Of course, not every one of you is called to be a missionary or pastor, but you are called to be a witness of the grace of God in your life. And uh, you need to think about how you have a tremendous influence upon others in your life for good or bad. And do you realize that even how you respond to the crises of life impact others? When you stand fast in the Lord despite life's difficulties, that is an encouragement to other believers. Just like it gave Paul this great spiritual boost to hear of the faith of the Thessalonians while he was going through a rough time. I think so often we live in our own little world giving so little thought to anyone or anything but self. But remember, no man is an island. And you always have an effect on others by what you do and say. And as you begin to think more about others, remember, we're all weak. All of us need constant prayer. Within all of us is the potential to get off track spiritually. And so we must not give up being concerned about one another. And as I'm saying this, what I'm thinking about is verse 10. I want to lead into verse 10 by starting the sentence back in verse 9. It says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. After Paul hears this good report about the Thessalonians, he doesn't think to himself, well, that's, that's that, that, that's great, now I can just stop thinking about them, all of my concerns now for them are gone. Now, Paul continued to pray earnestly night and day concerning them. He continued to pray that he would see them again. And why is that? That he might continue to teach them, that he might perfect what was lacking in their faith. So even though Paul is encouraged, yes, by the faith of the Thessalonians, their faith is not perfect. It's not as strong as it could be. There are some areas of weakness in these Christians that Paul will address in the rest of this letter and in his second letter. And so let us take these lessons to heart. Let us not to forget to continue to pray for one another. For though you may be strong now, maybe tomorrow will have its own set of challenges. And furthermore, as you think about those who need your spiritual help or guidance, don't forget about them. Continue to seek and to make use of opportunities to minister to them. And of course, to be able to supply what is lacking in the faith of others means you need to be growing in your faith, which means making your own spiritual health a priority. Closing, let's take notice of the gospel in this passage. Think about people in Thessalonica who were once idol worshipers 
are now, by God's grace, Christians. Christians who live for Christ in spite of persecution. It's a reminder, it doesn't matter what kind of a past you have. God saves the worst of sinners. No matter what you have done, there is a place in the kingdom of God for you. There's a place for all people who seek repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter your past. What is important is whether you are trusting and serving Christ now. And also, it is good news to know that salvation is not a matter of how strong your faith is. The Thessalonians were believers who needed their faith to be perfected. And in this life, our faith is always in need of growth. It's always in need of being perfected, which proves then that our salvation, right, is not based on our works. It's not based on our spiritual strength. It's not based on how strong your faith is. But salvation is a matter of whom you are trusting. It is the object of your faith, Jesus Christ, who alone saves from sin. As you think about God's grace at work giving you faith and preserving you in that faith, never stop praising him for his gift of salvation. The presence of faith and love means that God has done a mighty work And this is a reality not only in your life, but in the lives of so many people that you love. And may God use each of us to minister to even more people with the gospel to the glory of his name. To that end, may God continue to change your heart and to change my heart so that as people, yes, I hope that you all have received the good news of Jesus Christ, but may God then continue to change your heart so that you long to hear most of all the good news that others, the people that you know, are doing well spiritually. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the faith that you grant your people and that you preserve us in this faith and for the love that is a manifestation of that faith. Lord, we pray that you would work these things more and more in us, not only for our own encouragement, but for the encouragement of those around us. Lord, we pray that our desire would be to see people trusting in Christ, even in, in the face of persecution, people with strong faith, persevering faith. May that, Lord, be our longing. May it be good news to us to hear of people coming to faith and standing strong in faith. May that be the good news that we love above all. Even as we seek good news that concerns our everyday lives, we pray, Lord, that you would give us more and more spiritual perspective, a greater love for the things of your kingdom, a greater love for our Savior, a greater appreciation for the good news of salvation in him, and uh, which makes it good news as we hear of other people benefiting from Christ. Lord, uh, we confess that we do not always uh, love you and, and uh, think as we ought. Uh, we are uh, weak. We are imperfect. Our faith is imperfect. So, Lord, we look to you. We ask that you continue to be at work in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.